one time when we were preparing for a Bible prophecy seminar, we did uh, many Bible prophecy seminars, and one of the things that we that we did was that we would have yard signs printed up to kind of point to the different directions of how to get to the church. We were kind of out on the, uh, on the outside of town. And so we would put these yard signs throughout town, throughout the city, and uh, to advertise, we put the phone number on there, we put some arrows or whatever it is to just try to get attention to the, to the meeting. And uh, one of our volunteers went to the sign shop to pick up the signs and they were so eager to go put them up that they did. They went and put a, you know, went around, put the little stakes in there, and they went around, they put them all over the city. We had to be pretty careful because they were illegal in city limits, and so we would put them out just like the day or two before and put them up, and then we would go and we'd go pick them up and things like that. And, uh, and the reason they were illegal is because people would leave them there forever and they'd, you know, become litter. So we would put them out and then we would go pick them up. Well, like I said, I had our, our phone number on there, and, and, I never, I never got to see the sign. They just, they printed them up. They went and picked them up or whatever. And so you can kind of imagine where we're going. Something's wrong with the sign. So I started getting these, these phone calls. And they were odd phone calls. People were asking some really strange questions and, and almost asking me to, to tell them about what's going to happen in their life or whatever. Like, I was just like, what is this? And so on my way home, I then, it, everything started to make sense because instead of prophecy with a C, it was prophesy with an S. And so it was a prophesying seminar is what we were putting on. And, and that, all of a sudden, it started to make sense why people were calling, asking the questions they were asking and wanting me to like put some type of prophecy over their life, Right. And, you know, and I was like, well, I, that's not what we do. And so at the beginning of that, that seminar, we had to make a disclaimer. Well, first we went, we got little C's, and we put C's over the S's. We went and picked up all the signs, put C's on there, and we fixed them all. But, but, uh, but that, that first night, we had to tell people, like, we're not here to prophesy over your life. We're not here to, to make up our own interpretations of different signs and wonders and all of that. We are here to share what the Word of God says about prophecy. And so that's, that it, I, to this day, I'm always watching to make sure that there's a C and not an S. I would imagine that, that usually when we think of Bible prophecy, we usually think about Daniel and Revelation, and we think about how the Bible just shows what was going to happen from Daniel's time all the way to the end of time. And, and it's just fascinating, and get ready, because we're going to be doing a prophecy seminar starting in April, and pray for me as I prepare for that meeting. And as, we, as, as you look at that, most of us don't really think much about prophets. We think about the Bible prophecy, but we don't, and maybe it's because we're not really surrounded by people that claim to be prophets. And so maybe that's why we don't really think about it a whole lot. But Jesus knew his disciples would encounter false prophets, which means we would probably encounter true prophets as well. But Jesus gives us a warning when it comes to deciding if someone who claims to speak for God, speaks on behalf of God, he gives us some things to look at, whether we can trust it or not. 
Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. Last week, we started this four-part warning, if you will, of Jesus telling us to enter through the narrow gate, that there's a narrow gate, there's a wide gate, there's a narrow path, there's a wide path, and he tells us to choose the path that leads to life. Now we get into two different types of prophets. We have true prophets, we have false prophets. We're going to look at there's going to be two different types of disciples, and there will be two different types of foundations. And so as Jesus is closing out the Sermon on the Mount, he's really bringing people to decision mode. He's bringing everything, here's everything that I've taught you. I've, from, from Matthew 5, don't you, wouldn't that be funny if he says, remember chapter 5? <laughs> but this is, remember the beginning of the sermon when I talked about all these things to be, that these are ways to be blessed. This is all the ways that to, to talk, tackle the heart issues in your life, all the, the behaviors and the, the piety and the religious ways of behaving. Now he gets to the end and he says, okay, guys, I've talked to you, I've told you how things, how I want my disciples to be. And it's different than the, the religious ways of the world today. And it's different than the ways of the society and culture of the world today. I am calling you, my disciples, to live differently. And so he tells them, it's not always going to be easy. You're gonna, you will have to choose the narrow path. And sometimes it's going to be really hard. But that path leads to life, so stay on it. And always remember, I'm right there with you on it. And then he gets to this part right here. Beware of false prophets. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word here today and we see the words of Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that this isn't something that we would just dismiss thinking that it doesn't apply to us, but Lord, that you would teach us something maybe that we, we just haven't seen before, that we would take this to heart and live it out in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and it, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Now when I first started kind of di- dissecting this and really trying to break it down, and I begin to think about prophets. I don't, I, I don't consider, I certainly don't consider myself to be a prophet. Although I have to say, I have encountered a lot of people that claim to be a prophet. You may have not have encountered that, but when you do a lot of prophecy seminars, and, and you, you do that a lot, uh, you are going to encounter individuals who come to you to tell you, thus saith the Lord, that is not biblical. And so it's, it, you know, it's, like you said, like what Jesus says, beware of them. They're out there. They're going to be out there. And, and maybe in our certain span of time, there's been a few. But back then, there were a lot. And, and, and maybe there will be a lot in the future. Maybe there's a lull right now. I don't know. Maybe they're out there, and I just haven't encountered them. But the reality is, as Jesus says, they're out there. And, and when they come to you, they're going to come to you looking like they belong. He says that they come in sheep's clothing. But he says, inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. So then I begin to think, well, 
you know, are, are prophets, could they be related to like pastors and how pastors then teach and all those different things? And surely that could apply. At the same time, I don't know of many pastors who would proclaim to be a prophet or to say one way or another, but I'm sure that, that it's out there. But then you'd have to look at it to say, just because someone may not understand fully what the word is saying, are they really ravenous wolves? Like, are they trying to kill off God's people or are they just misled? Man, I, you know, it's a tough thing to try to determine all of that and I'm not here to sort all those things out today. But I think it's, it's, it's one thing to, to just blame someone because they, they don't have all the truth yet. And we say, well, they're just a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. When they're really seeking the Lord with all their heart, I believe that probably God is still going to keep working on their hearts. But then there are those that love to be divisive, and they love to, to, to be critical, and they love to, to really spread the sheep apart. There are those that really feel like that's their calling, to do the shifting and to do the shaking and to do those things. And, and I think that Jesus is saying, beware of those who are speaking on behalf of me. That's really what, I mean, if you want to simplify it down to the basic terms of a prophet, beware of those who proclaim that they are speaking on behalf of the Lord. Now, when, when you think about prophets, you would imagine that when Jesus talks about the prophets, who's he referring to? He's talking to those that are listed there in our Old Testament, would be in their scriptures, people like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, right? Well, could we just for a moment go back in time to a couple of places? I found this in, these in Jeremiah. I thought they were fascinating. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 14. Here's what Jeremiah is dealing with. Here's what God is dealing with in a time where the children of Israel are in a very rebellious state. And so you had different prophets who were, who were trying to warn God's people. Come back to God, stop worshiping idols, come back to him, or something bad is going to happen, right? You're, you're going to be taken captive. This whole thing is going to fall apart. And, but there was another group that's saying, all is well, peace is here, nothing bad's going to happen, just keep doing what you're doing. And so Jeremiah chapter 14, starting in verse 13, just look at this, this short, uh, this couple of verses here. But, ah, Lord God, I said, look, the prophets are telling them, you will not see the sword, nor will you have famine, but I will give you lasting peace in this place. And then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I have neither sent them, nor commanded them, nor spoken to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. So Jeremiah's going, what do I do with all this? God's saying, I didn't send them. Let's take a look at another one, Jeremiah 23. Another, uh, this one's a little bit longer, but starting in verse 25. Jeremiah 23 and verse 25. 
I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy falsely in my name, saying, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long is there anything in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy in falsehood, even these prophets of the deception of their own heart, who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams which they relate to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal. The prophet who has a dream may relate his dreams, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I'm against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare the Lord declares. Behold, I'm against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting. Yet I did not send them or command them, nor did they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. How frustrating of a job does Jeremiah have? (laughs) He's trying to bring, what is Jeremiah's ultimate goal? Bring the people back to the Lord. There was really no other, that was it. Everything that he's saying is come back to Yahweh. Come back to the one who has led us out of Egypt. Come back to the one who is with us always. He, He warns them. Remember what God said? Blessings come to those who obey. Curses come to those who disobey. He is trying to get their attention. And yet there's this group that that just keeps saying, it's all good. And what are they doing? They hear it from somebody else, so they take what somebody else is saying. Oh, that sounds good. I'll use that. (laughs) Or, Or I'll tell you about this dream that I had. Or somebody else has a dream. Well, let me tell you. And they're always taking it and interpreting it their own different Way. So no wonder Jesus says, beware. Beware of false prophets. Because there will be people that come in sheep's clothing looking like they belong. But they're only there to destroy. And I look at it this way. God is pretty clear. The false prophets were leading people away from God. They were leading them in a place where they would forget who God is. So I think that Jesus is, you know, when he's talking about beware of false prophets, well, let's look at it. The false lead away from God, and the true lead people to God. It's pretty simple. Now, of course, in Deuteronomy and different parts of the Old Testament, there were different tests of a prophet. What do they say? Does it come true? And also, look at the behavior of their life. Because if, if someone is, is saying all the right things, but in their own life they're not living the way that God has called them to live. They said, there's a red flag there. There's a red flag there. So Jesus gives us a warning to watch out for false prophets. But how do we do that? There's the warning. What do we do? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Because here's, there's two things, two ways to protect you from false prophets. We could say false teachers. We could say false pastors. I don't know, what it, whatever you want to put in there. Here's, here are ways to protect your heart. And Jesus goes into, you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. In other words, the first thing I believe that Jesus is telling us is, you and I have the ability to discern. He has given us 
the wisdom to discern between good and bad. Right off the bat, discernment. And what does he say? He says, look at their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So here it is. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. In other words, I think that Jesus is saying, this is one of those things that you just can't fake. When you get into Paul's writing, when you get into Galatians, and he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it's really hard to fake love and joy and peace. Those are things that can't be produced on your own accord. Those are things that can't be made up. Those are fruit that come from the Spirit. And so if, if we're going to look at fruit, I would say we would look for someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, we have to be careful because Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged and all of those different things. But judging someone and condemning them or saying that they're, you know, what is, I believe is, is, is different than discernment. And, and how they're different, I'm not sure I could totally <laughs> eloquently lay it out. But, but I look at it this way. If someone is doing something bad and you see that, that's discernment. You go, that's not right. At the same time, they may not know that it's bad. Or they may, not, they may know that it's bad, but they're going through a really, really difficult time and they're not in their right mind that they normally would and so they're they're doing things out of desperation or doing all these different things right and so or they're doing things out of addiction or they're doing things because we don't know all the reasons behind it and so for me to say oh discernment says that this is not right and so I shouldn't be doing those things I guess being critical and judgy would say this person is lost and there's no way to recover them does that make sense? So there's a, there's a difference there of being able to discern in those and, and also being critical and judgmental and, and all those different things. So we look at their fruit. And so I begin to think about, at least in my context, in, in what I hear and what I read and where there's just so many different things out there, I begin to start thinking, what type of fruit would I be looking for that would be a red flag? And the first one that I thought of was, do they use scare tactics? Do they use fear as the motivator? Because God loves to use love as a motivator, not fear. And so when you're constantly throwing fear and scare and all these different things, you may have a short-term change in someone's life but fear and, and, and guilt and all of that usually isn't a long-term thing. It'll wear off. You know, it, things, the, the fear just, oh, well, that did, the thing that I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And so, you know, have you ever, uh, maybe you've been in this or you know someone that has that got into, into a really bad situation. And because of the fear of the circumstances, they, Lord, if you get me out of this, I will give you whatever, right? I promise to serve you for a remainder of my days, whatever the, the words that come out of your mouth. But then the circumstances change, and it, 
isn't the impending doom that they thought, and they go, whew, glad I got out of that one, and they go back to their life. You see, fear and, and, and scare, tactics, scare tactics only work for a short amount of time, but love lasts forever. And when we go to choose to serve God out of love and we look at who we are in, in Christ Jesus, that's a true life transformation. Not just, oop, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm going to shift over here for a second. God's not looking for us to shift behavior out of fear, right? But to follow him out of trust and love. Are they divisive? Here's another fruit. There's a, lot, there's a lot of speakers and a lot of people within, even within our own churches, our own denomination, that they go and they travel and all these different things, and nine times out of ten, they split the church. <laughs> and they, there's just crumbling pieces all over the place, and people leave the church. They don't want anything to do with the church, and it's just this divisiveness. Jesus, Jesus while, he, while he didn't hold anything back with the Pharisees, his whole goal was to unite his people. And the Holy Spirit unites people and continues to unite people. So if there's this critical ad, you know, ad, uh, attitude and divisiveness that comes out, ultimately I would say that uh, let's be careful with that. Do they uplift Jesus? Or do they talk about everything else but Jesus? This is a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> But I hear a lot of people talk, and they, they speak a lot about a lot of different things. They talk about the Bible. They know all the different doctrines. They know all the different beliefs. They know all the different prophecies. They know all the different behaviors. But there's one thing that's missing from their entire message. Jesus Christ. Everything must be centered in Christ. Because that's who we are. We are in Christ. And if I can talk about everything else but Christ, something's wrong. Something's wrong. So out from Christ, we can talk about all of those things and bring all of those things out. But if we leave Christ out, then what is it? Do they teach righteousness by faith or do they teach righteousness by perfectionism? Do we recognize that Christ is the, is, is the author and perfecter of our faith? And that he is constantly working through us. We are in Christ. He is working in us. And so, of course, when Christ is in us, everything about us changes. But if I'm always about just changing the things that I do without Christ, then I'm simply trying to work out my own righteousness and it's just filthy racks. Do they encourage your walk with Christ? Or do they discourage your faith? There have been times that I've read books I've watched sermons, I've listened to sermons, and when I'm done, I go, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> it's just this discouragement, right? And, and, and here's the thing, is, is every, every, every person who, pro, who proclaims to be speaking for God or, or what, teaching about God or whatever, we should be encouraging the faith, understanding that Jesus is walking with you, right? I mean, it's one thing to say, the path is narrow, get your act together, and if you don't, you're going to fall off the side of the cliff. You know what's on the side of the cliff? Fire. You told me you wanted me to bring it out today. He said I, we needed to get warm, so I needed to preach some fire and brimstones. There you go. Amen. Or we can say, yes, the path is narrow, but Jesus Christ is the one that lights our path and keeps us there. 
and he's walking with us. And when you slip and the rocks come out from underneath you and you're about to fall over, he is just like he was with Peter in the water, grabs you by the hand, picks you back up, puts you back up and walks with you. That's the encouragement. There's a difference. So while, yes, one could say, walk the path or you're going to, you know, okay, well, that's, yeah, there's biblical evidence for that, but keep encouraging in Christ. Probably the, the, this is not an exhaustive list. I could be here all day. But probably the last one I think is really important. Are they biblical? Are they, are they, do they stay true to scripture? Or are we looking for signs and wonders and interpreting it in our own way? And, and I think that because we are a church that focuses a lot on eschatology, how the end times and all of those things happen, we can get so fixated on what's happening in the world around, and we think that this is going to happen, we think this is going to happen, but we have to main, remain true to what Scripture says and stay true to God's Word and rooted in that. Because here's the reality. The only way good fruit comes is if there's good roots. Roots before fruits. Roots before fruits. If our roots are not in Christ, then we're not going to produce the fruit of Christ. It's either good or bad, right? And, and when, when Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed, he talks about the different soils and the seed and all those different things. And the reality is, is he talked about the soil and how the, the roots, they all act differently and all of that. At some point, the seed found good soil. And I want to encourage you to make sure that we are on good soil. Good foundation. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but... But I think that as we look at these fruits, gives us discernment. It can give us discernment. I think that's what, I think that's, Jesus gives us that gift. But how do you know the false from the true? I think I've shared this, this with you before, you probably already know it, but if you work at a bank or you work at a convenience store, I, I worked at a convenience store for, for a little while when I was a teenager, and, and one of the things that they had you learn was how to feel for fake money. And how do you feel for fake money? You got to get to know the real money. And so they would put all types of bills in front of you and let you feel it, let you look at it, get familiar with it. And then they'd mix it up with some fake, and you'd have to try to spot it just by feeling, but just by looking and the things. And then, you know, then they had the nifty little pin that you could just, you know, put it on there and make sure that it's real. But, but that's, in order to know what's not true, you have to know what is true. And so if you're going to have discernment on what the bad fruit looks like, the reality is, is you need discernment of what the true fruit is and when I think about you know Jesus talking about coming in sheep's clothing inwardly are ravenous wolves I think about sheep I think about a shepherd the only way that I'm going to have true discernment is if I know the voice of my shepherd turn with me to John chapter 10 
John 10, starting in verse 1. It's a, it's a little bit of a longer thing, but I think that it's important that we get this full picture of what Jesus is saying. John 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. One day I hope to go to the Holy Land. One day I hope to be able to go and see these shepherds in actions because I hear about it that the shepherd will go and they will just, you know, whatever they do and the sheep just come. And if I were to go in there and they say, go ahead and make that sound and I go, sheep wouldn't listen to me at all. They, they know the difference between an imposter's voice and the shepherd's voice. And I think that if you have someone that is proclaiming to speak on God's behalf, and, and he says that they are, look like sheep, but they're like ravenous wolves, I think that it, when, if you know the voice of the shepherd, when you know the voice of Jesus, when you know what his word says, when you know what he's all about, then it would be very easy to distinguish between that and someone that's trying to lead you away from the shepherd. But if you don't know the shepherd's voice, it would be very easy to follow any voice that speaks to you. So Jesus said to them, because they didn't understand this, in verse 6 it says, This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So verse 7 says, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I love how blunt he gets here. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold, and I must bring them here also. And they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up again. This commandment I received from my Father. And a division occurred. Again, among the Jews, because of these words, many of them were saying, he has got a demon and he's insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? 
even after Jesus gets done talking, there were those who knew the shepherd's voice. One, discernment. Two, get to know your shepherd's voice. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have, we've been given the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is ours. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I, I love, you know, people have asked me, why do you ask for the Holy Spirit over and over and over if you already have it? I say, well, I'm grateful that I have it. But I want to remind my mind <laughs> and my heart how much I need it. To humble myself and to, to ask. Because when you ask, it, it shows that you, you need. And while you have, you still recognize the need. And so to be filled with the Spirit, I, you're not going to be able to distinguish between this voice of the shepherd and something else if, unless you're filled with God's Spirit because God's Spirit gives you that discernment of knowing the difference. How else do you get to know your shepherd's voice? is to spend time with your shepherd in a quiet place on a regular basis. Away from phones, away from iPads, away from TVs, away from those things so that you can hear God's voice as he speaks. It may be through a still quiet thing. It may be impression, maybe through his word. But with the, the more you spend time with your shepherd, the more you recognize his voice when he speaks to you. And the third thing to, I believe that is important to know your shepherd's voice is be obedient to his instruction. It's, it, it, again, to see it in action would just be amazing. But shepherds, they have different calls for different things. And while there may be a call to say, come with me, we're going this way, there may be a call for danger and to bunker down and to gather together and to be together and tight-knit so nothing can get in between. As you, as, as we have to understand something, because many people will look at obedience and think that we're trying to be legalistic and all these things. No, no, no. Jesus knows what we need as sheep. <laughs> he knows what we need. If he says, get together, it's for our own safety. And we, can, we have every choice to go and wander off and do whatever we want and not join into the circle of, of that, that, that impenetrable group of sheep that the, sh that the wolves can't scatter, we can walk away from that. But we put ourselves in danger. And so, why, you know, it, it, why as we listen to the shepherd and says, get in, I should trust, I need to trust that if he's telling me to do it, it's for my own good. <laughs> it's for my own safety. It's for my own salvation. It's for, it's for him leading. And, and, and if I get to a point where I'm not listening to his voice or I'm not obeying his voice, then I'm setting myself up for disaster. If we're obedient to his instruction, we, we love our shepherd and we know that our shepherd loves us and we know that he wants what is best for us. So I don't have to sit back and say, why is... Why is my God requiring this of me? Instead, we look at it and say, Shepherd, you said go and I will go. You say stay, I will stay. If you say get together, I'll get together. If you say run, I run. <laughs> I'm going to trust whatever it is that you lay before me. And doesn't that 
follow suit with Revelation 14. Follow the lamb wherever he goes. Follow the shepherd wherever he leads. Jesus used a lot of different symbols and illustrations just to get his point across. But I think one thing that he's trying to to point to us as, as he's closing out the Sermon on the Mount is he's telling us, look, there's gonna be people that are gonna come and they're gonna tell you something different. They're gonna try to tell you a different gospel. They're gonna try to tell you that you can do things differently. They're gonna try to tell you you can do things on your own. They're gonna try to tell you that you're, that, that you're just being legalistic and you don't have freedom and you need to go and do this, you need to do that. But Jesus is saying, look at the fruit. Discern, but listen to the shepherd's voice. Listen to the shepherd's voice. Be in tune with what the shepherd is saying and trust that the shepherd wants what is best for your life. So this week, as you go to tackle this this next week of work or things going on at home, school, whatever the case is, I want to encourage you to take some time every day in a quiet place get in tune with your shepherd's voice because there will come a time when someone comes as a ravenous wolf looking like a sheep just trying to spread you away trying to lead you a different direction but when you know that voice of the shepherd you'll know what is true and what is not so this week do that spend some time with him get to know it And if he's leading you in a direction, go. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that he is our God. Father, as we hear these words, at first glance it may seem a little odd, but as we've unpacked these things, I think we've come to understand just how important it is to know your voice, to beware of those who try to lead us astray. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lead us on your path of righteousness. That you would walk with us. You would talk with us. That we would hear your voice and know your voice. Lord, to know that you are the great shepherd who lays down your life for your sheep. Thank you for laying down your life for us. Thank you for giving us the gift of salvation, of freedom, of hope eternal. As you have taken up your life again, may we as your sheep follow you wherever you lead. In Jesus' name we pray.